the city of St. Canard is home to a thousand criminals, but not one dares make a move. For this city is a shadowy guardian who hunts them like a phantom in the darkness. I am that guardian. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the winged scourge that pecks at your nightmares. I am Darkwing Duck! Suck gas, evildoers. Welcome to the St. Canard File, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, Will Santana, and... I'm your other host, Mike Russo, and Darkwing Duck sounds like something I should try with egg rolls. <laughs> Mike, you're a trip, man. But, hey, Mike, <laughs> it's time to let's get dangerous, man. I'm yes, excited today. Me too. We're finally starting to talk about an actual episode. All right. Well, before we get into the episode, let, let's give them a little update, some news going on in the, in the Darkwing world. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. At the start of many of our shows, we are going to give you some news, if anything is available to actually talk about that is. Um, things like new new products, new merchandise, convention appearances by the voice actors and artists, and anything worth talking about. All right. Yeah, man. Uh, let's start in with some conventions. So you guys, uh, the listeners, if you want to meet some of your, your heroes and get their autographs or get photos with them, man, they are going to be at several places. Uh, let's start off with Mike Peraza, the the architect, man, the artist. Yeah. Uh, he will be at D23 this upcoming weekend. So you guys check that out. That's a, like that's a big Disney con, ain't it? Yes, that's that's the biggest Disney con. Yeah, they are. They're huge. They've gotten really popular. There's a lot of exclusive stuff there, a lot of panel discussions, lots of presentations, a lot of great news drops at D23. Oh, yeah, man. And uh, he'll be there to feature one of his work that he's done for the um, celebrating Mickey's 90th anniversary, man. Yeah, he's he's a master with some of that art. Oh, yeah. He's a beast with it, man. And then uh, we got Michael Bell and Terry McGovern. They're going to be in Louisville, Kentucky in November. So you get Quacker Jack and Launchpad at the same time. Wow. Yeah, that, that's got to that. be really cool, man. Uh, Jim Cummings, uh, he will be in Kingsport, Tennessee in, on October on Conapalooza for one day only, though. So if you're near Tennessee, you got a shot at getting them, but you got to be there that one day. And then we got Katie and Jim, who are going to be in uh, Pensacon in February of next year. Man, I'm sitting here, hearing about all these shows down south and in California, and I'm just, these guys have to come to the New York area sometime. New England, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. I'm living in New York. and <laughs> Let me drop one more bomb on you, Mike. I'm about... Uh, Two and a half, maybe three hours from Savannah, Georgia, and it looks like Jim Cummings will be there October 26th. So I'm about to rub it in your face. Ha! Nah. <laughs> One of these days I want to meet him and everybody else. It's going to happen. All right. So that's your convention update. I don't see anything on Tad Stone, the creator, right as of right now, but I'm sure Tad will keep us posted on his social media account. So when he updates it, we'll update you. Yeah, he's very active. He's always talking about shows. He's always doing original artwork to bring to the shows. I know he just got done with a show in uh, Russia, actually. I don't think he has anything lined up for the rest of the year. If that changes, we will let everybody know. 
Okay. And, and Mike, you got some news for us or something, don't you? Uh, well, I know you were telling me that um, a certain Funko Pop figure was getting a re-release. Yes, that's the, that's the Negaducks, the PX Reviews exclusive. Uh, I only saw it on Entertainment Earth and uh, FYE website for right now. It's a pre-order and it's supposed to drop this month. So if you missed out on, on the first go around, this might be your last chance to get it. Yeah, I think the first release was, I think, a San Diego Comic-Con and GameStop um, exclusive. So it's kind of nice it's getting out there again. Mm-hmm. And through FYE, actually, huh? Yeah, FYE and Entertainment Earth, I believe, are the two that are selling it. So uh, if you got some of the other pops, uh, Naked Duck, this is probably the last go-around for it, and it, it might get vaulted. Well, you know, it bodes well for any possible releases of new characters. If they want to get Negaduck back out there, maybe Megavolt's getting a wide release. I mean, he was only available th- um, on Black Friday at GameStop. Yeah, or Quacker Jack, Or maybe they have Quacker Jack or Honker or Bushroot. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going to do one of those. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, man. Or Still Beat. Yeah, plenty, plenty of ideas. Plenty of things they could do with uh, DW. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So, hey, uh, Mike, do you, are you ready to get into the episode, the, the pilot? Yes, absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. Before we get into it, that sinking feeling. Yes, now, that's, that sinking feeling. Yes, that's a really important episode. It's a great episode, too. Um, it's not my original pilot episode of, that I originally saw, DW. And I see other people claim another episode is the pilot episode. Right. You'll often hear that uh, yes. about Darkly Dawn's the Duck. Everybody calls that the pilot. Mm-hmm. And now, Mike, you gave me a great explanation of why this episode, that sinking feeling, is the the consensus pilot. There's no you shouldn't even debate it anymore the way you explained it to me. Can you please explain it to our listeners? Well, this episode was the very first episode to be written, and it was written by Tad Stones himself. And it was the very first one to be recorded. So you'll hear the voices are a little different. Then you might be expecting not very different, but you'll hear some, you know, you'll hear some variety in it. And like I said, Tad Stones wrote this one himself. And it's an episode that's really meant not to introduce the characters to each other, you know, the way Darkly Dawn's the Duck does and does very well. It's meant to introduce the audience to the universe of the show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in that sinking feeling that is meant to be seen for the first time. Things like the spinning easy chairs, Darkwing watching for trouble on top of the bridge, a megalomaniacal villain who wants to take over the world, Darkwing not letting Gosling come help. All these things are purposely written into this episode because Ted Stones wants you to be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And that makes the episode important because I think if you watch this one first, like I did when it first aired, you get it. By the time this episode ends, you get you get what this show is about. Yes, you definitely do, man. And you, you kind of get a sense of a lot of the characters. Um, there's no origin, but it's like you still sense the characters. You know, you know where they're coming from already. You know. Yeah, this episode spends lots of time setting up the fact that Goslin wants to go on an adventure, and Drake just doesn't want her to go. Most episodes will throw it off as a joke, but this one is 
there's a whole scene where she's asking to go. He's telling her, I don't want to get you hurt on an adventure. This isn't a comic book. It's reality. And she's like, oh, you just turn mushy when the good stuff happens. And this this is the episode that spends the most time setting this up. So when this mm-hmm. episode ends, you understand the dynamics between Darkwing and Goslin. It's all there. I mean, even Honker, who doesn't get a big role, they make sure to spotlight a scene where everyone's in dire trouble and it's up to Honker to save the day. And he's oh, dragging yeah. it out and dragging it out, trying to check his books two or three times before he saves the day. That starts here because you need that to understand Honker's role in the show. And he has a scene with the calculator when uh, Goslin throws that pitch at him and he has the calculator in his hand and then he tosses it and swings the bat like he's doing some physics or something with it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think I first saw this episode. It aired on ABC Saturday morning, September 7th in 1991. But how I first saw it May, I don't know, maybe some of our listeners saw it this way. I, I actually hope some of them did. Every year before the Saturday morning cartoons began, the Friday before, mm-hmm. they would slot a half an hour during the ABC TGIF lineup to preview the new cartoons. You'd have one of the characters from an ABC show, maybe it's Full House or Family Matters. I think that year it was Step by Step. The characters... Would they would introduce the new cartoons, and they showed most of the first act of that sinking feeling that Friday night. Mm-hmm. They showed it up until the baseball stadium sinks. I remember that. And I knew from that moment that I was going to be taping this show that morning, <laughs> the next morning. And I would be taping every show. And I think this episode hooks you. Mm-hmm. So well with the opening quote that kicks off the beginning of this episode of the podcast. You know, the city of St. Canard is home to a thousand criminals. That is meant to hook you. Oh, yeah. Now, Mike, that, I know we're reviewing here, but I have a question for you. Since, sure. I did, since I did not see this episode when it originally aired, because everybody already knows who's been listening. Uh, I was in Fort Buchanan, Puerto Rico, another country. Uh, the opening theme, was it different? Was it the same? This is what's funny. Mm -hmm. They prepared an alternate opening theme for ABC. But the first three episodes did not air with it. The opening theme we see now on DVD, and Mm -hmm. if you watched it on cable, that's how this episode started. Okay. Which, at the time, was the only way to hear that middle verse. You know, Cloud is smoking, he appears. Because in the D- Disney afternoon, that whole verse was cut out. Okay. The Disney afternoon would take the minute-long opening and cut it down to 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. So the only way to catch the opening theme the way it was originally... I mean, it's easy now. But back then, if you caught the first three ABC episodes, you would see it the way it was meant to be seen. They changed it when Fungus Among Us aired, and we'll talk about that when we get to that episode. Okay. Okay, see, I just learned something new because, like I said, I was not here in the States, and I did not get to see the ABC runs, so I had no idea how the opening theme was, and I've seen, like, multiple different themes, you know? Yeah, it's really funny. The alternate openings for things like DuckTales and Aladdin followed those episodes on to the Disney afternoon. Mm-hmm. But when the ABC Darkwing episodes aired in syndication, 
those alternate openings were thrown out. Okay. And they haven't been seen since unless somebody taped them when they first aired. So they're actually pretty rare. Okay. All right. That was interesting. But, um, okay, let's get back to the episode. Oh, now, yeah. Okay, after the theme, I love how it starts off with, with Darkwing running up the, uh, the bridge. And yeah. he's just a shadow, man. It's like, yes. And it reminded me of the Ninja Turtles when the first Ninja Turtle movie came out, the live action one. Right. And the credits was rolling. You didn't get to see them. You just kept hearing their voices. You kept seeing their shadows. You saw them skateboarding, but you did not physically see them until like they were like at at that midpoint they, in the sewer. You know, they jumped. They up. built it up. Yeah, they built they it built up. It and, up. I kind of, and and I know this is only 22 minutes, so you only got like an 18 to 20 second build up on Darkwing, but you still got it. You know, but they nail it. <laughs> I mean, first of all, that opening, just a dialogue. Mm-hmm. Jim Cummings, man. The Darkwing voice isn't 100% there. It's got some refinement yet to go, which he he actually refined it super quick. There's like two episodes where the voice is a little rough. But here, there's some gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's playing Darkwing a bit more threatening than he would later on. And it really works to grab you by the throat. And just the way they stage it, you're right, the way he's walking up the uh, the cable... Mm-hmm. and they keep him in shadow, just the animation of him looking back and forth on top of the spire and jumping down, and just the big Darkwing duck when he jumps out. They want that to be the first way the first way you see Darkwing duck. Oh, yeah, and, and there's like, nobody else in that scene at first, you know? It's they, like, it's, it's Darkwing. This is his show. This is his baby, you know? They, they build to it beautifully. Mm-hmm. They really then, do. I, I loved it, man. You know, I was so excited. You know, like, even though this was not my pilot, God, I wish it was now, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like I missed out on it, man. But I didn't get the build up like you did. But I could see it, though, like if me and my 10-year-old self, like, yeah, yeah, you know, going, getting super excited to see Darkwing going up that bridge. And then, you know, he does his speech. And then he says, I am Darkwing Duck. And then the and joke comes in, you know, the pun. <laughs> and then, of course, the additional joke that you think it's going somewhere. And he's, then he just goes, I'm totally bored out of my skull. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the funny music starts. And it's like he's whining because there's no villains to fight. Mm-hmm. And that's what Darkwing Duck is. It's this big dramatic buildup that is always deflated by something else. Oh, yeah. And, and in and this case, it's because he's just an impatient, you know. Yeah. I, and I love how they did the buildup. And then they go like, hey, here's the sidekick. We're going to show you a quick conversation of them. And then, boom, the villain strikes. They didn't waste no time. Like they. And, and of ahead. course, I like how I I mean, the big question is always which launch pad do you prefer? And the DuckTales one or the Darkwing one. And they're such different characters on each show. I can't imagine the launch pad on DuckTales freaking out over things the way he's doing in the up- opening of this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Darkwing's just blowing him off. He doesn't care. And Launchpad's just like, no, look, it's down there. Look, see? And Darkwing's like, he thinks he's just making him up to make him feel better. And just Launchpad's just freaking out. That's definitely very unique to this particular Launchpad, who's, whose heart's in the right place. And he's he's brave when he has to be. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Launchpad just can't deal. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, I do love, like, after they show Launchpad, 
boom, the, 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 the crime solving begins already, you know? So if you were a young kid and you were like, yes, the mystery, what's going on? You know, how did that, that boat just sink? It happens right away, and you know? And they're playing it like a mystery for sure. They're not, they're not throwing their hand out right away by showing you the villain. Mm-hmm. which I think is a really good way to start the first episode. Give some mystery angle to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. And then after that, it goes to Gosselin, right? Doesn't it go right. to Gosselin? Yeah. And she makes quite an entrance, too. Oh, yeah, she sure does. <laughs> like, she just kicks open that door, jumps on Darkwing, and that part's in the theme song, both of those shots. You know, a lot of this episode's in the theme song. You know, and, I don't know the stats to it, but I think maybe 70% of the theme is, is in this episode. Yeah. The shots from the theme. Absolutely about 60, true. 70% is up there, man. It's really high. I know there's, there's a great piece of dialogue here that I don't think they would ever get away with now, where Drake tells Goslin that after he gets up and have, has his cup of coffee, he's going to punish her severely. <laughs> and he's, you know, and in the course of all the episodes, he will threaten her even more hardcore than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It's, but like I said, the last installment, the relationship is real, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and then we get into the whole situation where, you know, Launchpad's vindicated because, you know, the news is reporting on the disappearances and Goslin wants to come along and Darkwing tells her she can't because this is not a comic book, it's reality. And I want to ask you a question. Go ahead. The statue on the table between the two spinning easy chairs, do you yes. know who that is? I don't know. Don't oh. know. No, you just stunned me on one. That's Basil from the Great Mouse Detective. Oh, really? Yes, it is. He oh, is put and, in there specifically as a tribute. And, and didn't Mike Peraza have something to do with uh, the Great Mouse Detective? He may have. I'd have to check. I think Tad did too. Tad. Well, I don't know. Don't know if Tad did, but mm-hmm. he worked with lots of the people who were behind that that movie. I know he worked with. Um, um, John Musker and Ron Clements, who directed, who wrote that film and wrote Little Mermaid and Aladdin, I know he worked with them when he mm-hmm. got to start at Disney. So by putting Basil into Darkwing Duck, it's a tribute to the people oh. who used to work with. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh man, just learned something new right there, man. So that's that's why he's there. That's that's what that statue is. <laughs> and if you haven't seen The Great Mouse Detective, definitely give it a watch. It's a really good movie. I haven't seen it in years, man. It's been years since I've seen that movie. And elements of it might actually remind you of Darkwing Duck. It, mm-hmm. It's it's a good film. You should definitely okay. check it out again if you haven't. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about time we meet our villain. Yeah, let's get into the villain, man. Uh, go for so, it, yeah. man. So uh, um, this episode, we're introduced to Moliarty. And I will say not much of a villain, but I think it was really good. The first episode started off with this megalomaniacal genius mm-hmm. who had this plot to totally take over the world. And I think if it had started with even one of the Fearsome Five as someone like Megavolt, I don't think it would have had the same impact because Megavolt mm-hmm. schemes never are that big. Mm-hmm. So starting with someone like this really gives Darkwing and crew a really big situation to deal with. And it makes up for the fact that the characters of Moliarty, you know, didn't have much staying power. He, there wasn't much to him. 
But I, I, I like him because to me, he, he's like a filler villain. He, he's not a terrible villain, but he's not one of your favorites, like the Fearsome Five or Foul. You know, I, I think like because he's only in, I believe, three episodes. What he I gets can a, call. He gets a starring role in two and cameos in one other. OK, so, but to me, like, you know, and he only shows up, I think, in the first season. So I think he's a good filler one, you know, to take a break from the Fearsome Five and all that, because he's not a downer. You know, it's not like he's just a terrible villain, like, oh, no. when's this episode going to end or anything, you know? But I couldn't imagine they could keep doing that same plot over and over again. Oh, no, nah, yeah, they, no. they probably couldn't. He, he doesn't have the versatility a character like Megavolt or Bushroot has, which is probably why they stopped using him, I, and, I, would, I would guess. And who was he voiced by? Hmm. He was voiced by Jim Cummings, the, this <laughs> great marble mouth voice he's got for Moliarty, which is actually really fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. Like, he is, like I said, the character's not much, but I love listening to that voice. And Jim is, you know, he carries the show. Now, I met Jim uh, in Huntsville, Alabama, earlier this year for the first time. And I didn't ask him about Moliarty, but I did ask him about when he uh, recorded his scenes with uh, D.W. and, and uh, Negaduck. And I said, what was that like, you know, when you were talking to yourself? He said he didn't record it like that. He said he would do all the Darkwing lines first and first, then he would go. Then yeah. Negaduck was always last because it would kill his throat. <laughs> I, you know, I believe the great Mel Blanc did the same thing when he was voicing Yosemite Sam. He would always do that screaming Texan voice last because it would kill his throat. I think it's a very common thing for voice actors to do the hard voices last and do the easier voices first just because you can't go back and forth like that. Yeah. Negaduck's voice is rough. Uh, before we go further with the with this episode, uh, Mike, how did, how did you feel about the animation? We're kind of like already at the midway point of the episode. Oh, so the, the animation, man. Um, see, I want to set this up a little bit now. Obviously Disney's TV shows can't have feature quality animation. You're not going to get people like Glyn Kane or Eric Goldberg or Mark Han or Andreas Dejad animated Disney television show. Obviously you cannot. And for a little while during the Gummy Bears and DuckTales days, they were just outsourcing to Japan, the Japanese studio TMS, who um, very, very big, very popular Japanese studio, um, who was, did a lot of American work back in the 80s. But Disney, once they got started with a lot more shows like Rescue Rangers and the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, they wanted to basically do their own overseas animation. They didn't want to rely on other studios. Mm -hmm. So they started opening their own studios all over the world. And they opened a studio in Japan, they opened a studio in France, and they opened a studio in Australia, in Sydney. And the Sydney studio, uh, Walt Disney Animation Australia, um, got to start working on Winnie the Pooh and Gummy Bears, but Darkwing was the first show they really were able to flex their talents. They had some amazing animators at Disney Australia, like some really amazing people, and I wish I knew their names. I've never been able to figure out who their names are, because the credits is just a whole ton of names. I don't know who did what. And I'm sh hopefully one day I can piece that information together. <laughs> but Tadstones has said the look that Disney Australia gave Darkwing Duck was exactly what he wanted for the show. <laughs> if you look at the model sheets, which are easy to find on, just Google them, Darkwing Duck model sheet, You'll see marble sheets of Darkwing, Goslin, Launchpad, and they're beautiful. The attitude and the expression on these. 
Um, they were drawn by um, an artist named Toby Shelton, and they're beautiful. And Tad has said on mo- multiple occasions, he wished that Disney Australia could have done more episodes. And they did that sinking feeling in only eight other episodes out of the 91 that were produced. Mm-hmm. They had a style all their own, and the expressions, the movement, there was a grace to it that didn't last long on Darkwing Duck because they didn't do too many episodes, like I said. But they went on to work on Goof Troop, Bonkers, Aladdin, every show Disney did in the 90s, and they were so good. They started doing direct-to-video features, some theatrical features, and unfortunately that studio is not around anymore. After mm-hmm. Disney closed their 2D animation departments, all of those satellite studios were next. The Japanese one, Australia, France, they were all gone, unfortunately, because that stuff was beautiful. And my, some of my favorite Darkwing episodes were animated in Australia. And this episode, they put their best artists at the beginning of the episode. And it's one of those things that really caught my attention when the episode first aired. Oh, yes. And as we go on, I'm going to mention for each episode who animated them. Because Darkwing Duck got a ton of different studios. Because when Darkwing Duck was in production, they had a lot going on. They were they were doing preliminary work on Goof Troop. They were also working on Winnie the Pooh and Bonkers and the Little Mermaid series. So they had to get a lot of studios going. And Darkwing Duck, he was that show was thrown to every studio who would work on it. So Darkwing Duck's a bit of a visual misfit. There's lots of uh, lots of lots of different animation styles going on on Darkwing Duck, and I definitely am excited to talk about them as we get to them. Oh yeah, but, um, yeah. So I, Disney I like Australia. It, I like the way it looked. Uh, I know it looks different from a lot of the other episodes. Yes. Um, I know. Okay, I'm going to contradict myself here. I don't. I don't care. Um, okay. I like how the episode is very dark. Now, I know people, this is where it's going to be contradicting. People will be like, well, what about the baseball stadium scenes, Will? You know, like, it was the colors were vibrant and everything. I, right. I know I know that. But when they were underground, you know, the night scene, I, I just love the look. Even though you can tell this episode looks so much different than a lot of the other episodes. You can tell this was a pilot. You definitely right. can tell, like, this was pre, like, hey, the show is going now. Like, we're on a flow. Yeah, part of the, part of the, usefulness of a pilot you want to give it your all so i mean this is how it usually works in tv you want to give a pilot your all you want to show what the show is about so the networks you're pitching it to will pick it up mm-hmm. you know if you don't do a good job and your pilot stinks no one's going to pick you up so darkwing duck it's a great looking show this episode in particular and you're right it is very dark and part of it's the visuals and the locations but the Disney Australia team had this gritty look about their animation that really works with the show. If this one had been animated somewhere else, like in Japan, I don't think it would have worked as well. Mm-hmm. Now, there, there are two things that I, I want to discuss before we go get back to like reviewing this episode. A lot, yeah. Um, one is, this is the only episode that I can recall where they actually named the type of gas he was shooting with his gas gun. R- Right, you know, it's very interesting, this episode, how that's handled. Mm-hmm. Darkwing fires his gas gun, and we get a crying tear gas cloud. Yeah, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's, it's funny, it, but it's also the only time they do that on the show. Ever. I've never saw it again. It's I've seen it on merchandise. 
So it was probably a very early idea that mm -hmm. just didn't work for them. That's my best guess. Because mm -hmm. like I said, I've seen it on some early merchandise and a lot of the earliest Darkwing merchandise is very stuck on the earliest days of the show. None of the early merchandise includes Quackerjack or Liquidator or Negaduck. So I'm sure a lot of that merchandise was done before they did away with that idea. Yeah. It's interesting, though. It's definitely oh, yeah. something you wouldn't see anywhere else. Yeah. The second thing I wanted to discuss real quick was, you know, when you're on social media and people put GIFs of, of Darkwing and or, oh, yeah. or they put they put the memes uh, of Darkwing and it says, let's get dangerous. Right. That's where this scene is on this episode. You yes. know, like the famous scene where you see everybody posting the GIF and the and the memes of "Let's Get Dangerous" comes from this episode. It comes from this episode. Yep. Like I said, so much of it. Goslin jumping on Dark on Drake, Darkwing holding her mouth shut with the squeak. Mm -hmm. "Let's Get Dangerous," his first appearance underground. All of that ended up in the theme song. Oh yeah. And that first appearance. It, this was before his um, opening tagline was not a joke. Mm -hmm. I am the winged scourge that pecks at your nightmares. I mean, the whole approach there, he's trying to freak this guy out. I think this is the only episode where Jim actually read the line of, I am the terror that flaps in the night. That In that way, absolutely. What ended yeah. up happening, have you heard the story about why that changed? Yes, I've heard him say it twice at two of the conventions I met him at. <laughs> yeah, they were um, they were writing the episode A Duck by Any Other Name, which I think might have been the second episode. I'm not sure, though. I'd have to check my notes. Mm -hmm. Launchpad comes in, and he, and he bungles the line. He says, I am the road salt that rots the underside of your car. And they're like, wait a minute. That's funny. They're like, give <laughs> that to Darkwing. Make that his shtick. And from that moment on, every episode had a different entrance. It, it had a different entrance. But the way Jim said it at the convention, he said for like the first eight episodes, they actually wrote the second line for him. But he never actually read the second line. He you just improvise. Always, yeah, he freestyled it. You know, he straight freestyled it. And then he said by the eighth episode, he said he remembered when he read the script, it said, I am the terror that flaps in the night. And then when he got to the second part, it says, I'm not writing anything because Jim won't even read it. Yes, I have heard him <laughs> say that. That's, he's so great at improv improvisation, Jim. Oh, yeah. Like, he brings so much to Darkwing Duck. And I also want to give credit to the voice director on that show, Ginny uh, McSwain, who Tad acknowledges if he's Darkwing's dad, Ginny McSwain is Darkwing's mom. <laughs> because if Jim and Ted is always saying this in all the interviews and I hope you don't mind if I repeat it that if Jim would do something funny like a hurt Darkwing voice mm -hmm. or they oh the classic yep 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 <sighs> Ginny would pick that up and say Jim that was funny do it again so all those little quirks you know you have to give you got, you got to give the voice director credit too mm -hmm. but she was great and with all the characters, but Jim just, he was great at Im improvising things. I mean, whether it was Darkwing Duck or, I could tell a lot of what Herb Muddlefoot says has been improvised. When he was on Goof Troop, he was the best part of that show. Oh, yeah. His version of Pete is definitely my favorite. And the, sh the show wouldn't be nearly as good if it didn't have Jim. 
in every episode doing that voice. Yeah. And it's a voice that nobody could replicate. I mean, they've done a pretty good job of doing just that with the new DuckTales show. But that voice that Jim uses for Darkwing, hitting the hard Ks at the end of Negaduck, you know, he pops his peas, and he makes it look so effortless, too. Yeah, it, it's a great episode, man. You know, yeah. uh, I, I don't even know how to explain it in words, because it's like, for me, it, it wasn't my pilot episode, you know, like I right. said earlier. And then for me to go back and watch it, and like, wow, this is the true pilot episode, so... I missed out, man. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, and definitely not to take it away from the Darkly Dawn's the Duck episodes, they actually had pretty high production numbers. Like, mm-hmm. they weren't even close to the first ones written. And so they had an advantage then. They had an advantage because by the time they were writing those, they know what those characters were like. And those episodes, which are the next two episodes we're going to do, wouldn't have been as strong if they were written so early on. They had to be written later. Without and, me, um, my pilot episode... Uh, where was that in production? Um, still pretty early on. I would say within the first dozen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I should definitely keep a production uh, production order list on me because that would really help. Okay, uh, I, but that I, was I, an, my pilot episode. I think it's a so, It was a, It would have been a solid pilot episode, but I don't think it were, it could touch that sinking feeling. No, I don't think it could touch it. And then uh, moving on, we get the first uh, death trap. Where, where the with the cliche that the villain ties the, the good guys up, then leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody on staff, now I'm sure someone on staff had a huge interest in slugs. We got slugs in this episode. We got a giant slug in comic book capers. Mm-hmm. And we got Dr. Slug, buddy, but taking his time and just dragging it out. <laughs> and, and he gets to use a gun, which you wouldn't see that now. Nah, I don't think we ever saw that again, did we? Yeah, this was around this was around the time that Disney was phasing that out. There's a lot of gunplay and tailspin. Oh yeah, that's true. But from the beginning of Darkwing's run, you know, production run to the end of it, you see realistic weapons get phased out mm-hmm. and get replaced by more fanciful kind of lasers and sillier stuff. But in this episode, you know, the mole um, soldiers have guns. The army has guns. Honker uses a gun. Darkwing lets Goslin use the gas gun. So it's, you know, it's nice that Darkwing Duck was written around the time that they were still using that. They would never do it now with our, with our you know, with our political climate right now. They would never use guns on kids shows. And I totally am okay with that. <laughs> but um, it's just, it's interesting. It's a product of its time as far as that goes. What, what I love about Goslin on this episode is you already see her being insubordinate, causing a little trouble, but right. she still helps out, you know, like she still comes through. Yeah. And it's funny. I love the line when uh, Darkwing suddenly realizes he needs the kids and he says, it's going to take all of us to, you know, shut down the Kineto beam. And if we haven't mentioned Moli, Ar- Moli- you may have to edit that one out. Moli Artie's plot mm-hmm. is to block out the sun. Because the moles, they can't see in the sunlight. Yeah. So yet he's stealing all of these things, the baseball stadium, the radio tower, the oil tanker, the television antenna, to make a beam to block the sun out. So Darkwing is like, you know, it's going to take all of us to stop this plot. And Gosling goes, all of us? Darkwing's (laughs) response, no, everyone except you. (laughs) And I love it. It's just so funny. And 
and it's and it's an important it's important this happens in this pilot episode where Darkwing realizes, okay, I need the kids. And it's presented as the first time he's allowing Goslin and Honker to help him. Yeah. Because Goslin's excitement shows she hasn't gotten to do this. Now and we don't see Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm done. Go ahead. I was gonna say, uh, we don't see the thunder quack in this episode, but we do get the rat catcher. We do. Mm-hmm. We get it. We get it quite a bit too. And it's funny. He um he calls the rat catcher with a little microphone, which he never does again. That is true. Oh my when, god, I didn't even realize that. When he says "Let's get dangerous" in the opening theme, he's speaking into a microphone, and that's the code words to activate the rat catcher. Oh and yeah. He never does that again. Again, <laughs> something else you only see in this episode. You know, I I don't know if it was a error or something, but I, I caught a scene when he was riding in the rat catcher with Launchpad, but I saw Honker in there as well. Yeah, Honker sits in the rat catcher with them. I, I never saw that again, though. I don't recall seeing that. Yeah, it's it's in the episode. And um Honker didn't ride the rat catcher too much, but he's in there. Okay. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um there's a couple of scenes where Honker's in there with the, with everybody else. All right. So, Mike, man, let's tell them how, how the episode ends. So um, they have to stop the mole army. So everybody breaks up, and Darkwing and Launchpad dig some potholes to the giant pill bugs they have. <laughs> rolls into those. Uh, Goslin puts um, curry and chili pepper sauce into the mole's hamburgers, <laughs> which is pretty <laughs> funny the way they rock it off. Yeah. Um, and then Honker contributes, which he contributes a lot in this episode. He does. Um, it's his uh, salt packet that stops the slugs, and he turns on some fans and starts the dreaded hay fever attack and makes all the, the moles sneeze. So Honker is very he's, – he's really important to this episode too. He doesn't have much to say, but he's always important. Yeah. And so Darkwing, so Darkwing, of course, he drives the rat catcher up one of the pill bugs, crashes right into the kineto beam, and he says he, meant, he means to do that, um, but of course he didn't. And then it turns into a baseball game where uh, they're just they're just they're making a fool of the Moliarty. Like oh, they're yeah. making him look stupid. And um, and he, he he runs off. He's defeated. He, he he digs back underground, says, we'll meet again. Mm-hmm. And they do. You know, they have one more. They have one more meeting again. But it's a good ending. And then, of course, we end with Goslin wanting to keep fighting crime. And we get the seeds of her wanting to be a crime fighter. And that pays off. Like, down the road, that's going to pay off. But for now, it's a quick gag. You know, I want to be a crime fighter, maybe my own costume, maybe orange and yellow. And Darkwing's like, absolutely not. This is not going to be a habit. But I, I, I wonder we know if it was a well. running joke. I wonder if it was a running joke throughout the series that she calls him dad when he's dressed up as Darkwing. Because she did it, like, two, three times in this episode. Yeah, she's... Other episodes, she's pretty careful about it, but there's plenty of episodes she calls him dad right in front of the bad guys. <laughs> but, but this is also a show where I don't think a single bad guy ever calls Goslin or Launchpad by name. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I think we're really supposed to worry about. Mm-hmm. If it was if it was the comics where it had a lot more continuity, like the Boom and the Joe Books comics, I think they would definitely not have let that slip. But yeah. this is a show that's so off the wall and it doesn't care about continuity and it's just meant to be entertaining and funny that those are the kind of slip ups that never really bothered me. I know they bother some people. I know I've seen people who are like, why does she do that? I'm just like, it's Darkwing Duck. Just roll with it, man. You know? Yeah. 
So, Mike, man, we've talked about the episode. We discussed it. What would you rate this episode on? Let's say a scale one through five. Uh, one through five, what exactly? Which We should come up with a really clever way to rate these episodes. Like, what do you want to use? Maybe um, we'll rate them in terms of gas canisters. Hey, we can do that. You know, maybe in terms of like, oh, I don't like this episode. I'll give it one gas canister. Oh, this is the best one ever. It's the best thing ever made by human beings. I give it 10,000 gas canisters. Something (laughs) like that. But this one, maybe in a scale of one to five, Mm -hmm. these these episodes, we should go to five. Okay. Um, What would you give this episode? I would give it a three and a half. I think that's good. I think I would also give this episode a three and a half because there are other episodes that are stronger in terms of either either animation or story or just tone or mm-hmm. even emotion. But for what this episode is, it's still definitely above average. And I'll yes. definitely give it a three, three and a half gas gun canisters. Definitely for sure. Yeah, same here. Three and a half gun, uh, gas gun canisters. And what would you give the villain? Moliarty? Yep. Um, man, there's just so many good vi- Darkwing Duck villains. And he's definitely, he's not lower tier because there are definitely lower villains than him. I think I'd give him maybe two and a half gas gun canisters. That's fair. I think that's fair. Right. I, yeah. I was going to, yeah, I would, I would give him two, two and a half. You know, I don't want us to always be the same. I'm going to stick with two. Yeah, I'm going to okay. give him two. Because I, I don't think he's terrible, but he's not great, you know? No, no. He has his charms, though, between the voice and his, you know, the plot he's got is awesome. I mean, it's a really big plot. I mean, if he was only ever in this one episode, I'd still feel the same way, because I, I don't think he's a bad villain at all. He just mm-hmm. didn't have the staying power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it won't be long before we get into the big villains, for sure. Okay. And um, Yeah, so that's that sinking feeling. It's a really good episode. It's it's important. Like, you know, it's it's... It's, it's one of the most important episodes because it's the one that got everything rolling. Oh, yeah. No, so even even Tad Stones has said, this is Darkwing's first adventure. He considers this the it's first a, Darkwing. It's a solid pilot. I, I love it. Uh, right. You know, uh, it, it, it doesn't give you the, the, the backstory, the origin, but it gives you that introduction that you just love, if, especially if you've never seen it before, you know? Right. I mean, even if... They didn't do the Darkly Dawns the Duck episodes, and don't get me wrong, those two episodes are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't do it, it wouldn't matter as much to me because this one sets up the series so well and gives you really everything you need about these characters that I'm glad the origin, you know, Darkly Dawns the Duck exists, but this one, I was fine. You know, I loved it. I, I got these characters. Mm-hmm. Something like a show like Tailspin, I think it needs a setup. Like, you need to know, you know, the history of these characters. Darkwing, you know, that's why this episode works. It, it gives you everything you need. Yeah, if you're out there listening, man, be sure to leave some comments. I would like to see what other people feel about this episode, you know, being the pilot, you know? Yeah, I don't hear as much discussion of this one I think mainly because it isn't on DVD. That could be a possibility. And a lot of people don't don't think of it as the pilot. A lot of people and, don't. And when people, when I've seen people review the series, whether it be on a podcast or on a blog, they skip this one because they're just going off what's on DVD. Yeah. So this episode tends to get neglected a lot. <laughs> and it's a shame. Like, this one should be up front. 
in any Darkwing discussion, this one, this one definitely should be what you focus on before moving on. Okay. Well, Mike, uh, tell our listeners where they can uh, reach you at or, or find you at, man. Okay. Um, I am on Facebook at Mike Russo, and that's really all you need to know. It's really all I'm on. I don't do much social media, so Facebook is really all there is. But um, I'm, you know, friend me, message me, questions, comments. I love to hear from people. Let us, let me know how the show's going, what you'd like to see, you know, how, what you think of this episode, like Will said. And I look forward to hearing from people. How about you, Will? Yeah, I'm also on Facebook. I'm Will Santana on there. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, The St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. It's a fan page, so you guys can like it and follow it and comment. We've, we've been getting comments, and it's growing really fast already. I'm, I'm really happy about that, man. Yeah, you know, I, I really – I should have done this at the beginning of the episode, but I really want to thank the people who have given us feedback so far. It's been really encouraging, mm-hmm. and please continue because it's it's motivation to keep doing this. Um, we weren't sure, you know, how many people would listen to it, but just by the amount of people who have liked the Facebook group already, um, I'm very, you know, I'm very encouraged. So thank you for your comments and your feedback. And, you know, as long as you keep listening, we'll keep doing this. Oh yeah. And, uh, but at the time of this recording, you can find us on Pinecast. You can find us on Spotify, Google play, Stitcher. We're still waiting on Mike's favorite. We're still waiting on Apple. They haven't approved of us yet. (laughs) I hope by the time this episode goes up, it'll be approved. It should be. We apologize if it's not, but it will be eventually. Yeah, we're we're trying to get us on as many platforms because I know some people have premium services for certain ones and some people just have their own preference. So we are trying to get them as as many platforms. And we're also on YouTube, but I do prefer you guys follow us on the other platforms. But if you're just a visual person, you need that visual, we will be on YouTube as well. Yep. And uh, speaking of the Facebook group, we are going to have um, for each each week the episodes – we, we, we can't promise a weekly schedule, but we'll try. Um, but each week when a new episode goes up, we're going to also do a character of the week. Mm-hmm. So when this episode goes up, you know, we'll probably have one on Moliarty. And that would be a good, that's a good, you know, um, a good reason to comment about the episode, talk about the character if you feel like it. So we're going to do our best to keep the Facebook group active, when, even when we're not posting new episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, just follow us, like the Facebook group, and um, any all comments and feedback are welcome. Yeah. All right. So we really appreciate you guys. All you St. Canard civilians, we are getting ready to head out and close this episode. Uh, it's that sinking feeling, the pilot episode. And Mike, anything you want to say before we get off? Uh, all I'll say is that definitely if you have not seen this episode, please try to get a hold of a copy somehow. Um, I know it's harder to see than most because it isn't on DVD, but it's definitely worth a watch. And uh, with that said, we will see you next time. Stay dangerous. uh, Stay dangerous. Good night, y'all. Good night.